Hello? You play to win the game. I mean, listen, we're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. To LeBron James! That was insane! Officially insane, LeBron James! What is going on, y'all? Welcome back to another edition of Claws to the Wall. On As of this recording is October 26, 2022. And we got another good show for you guys today. I'm your host, Kobe Jackson. With me is my co- lovely co-host, Colton Gibson, Ryan Linguez, and Paxton Graff with me here today. We got a good lineup for you guys today. We will be digging into some Texas State sports with volleyball, soccer, and football, and then dig into some San Marcos Rattler football as their season is on, uh, on their way to a coming close. And then we're going to dig into some national sports with some MLB postseason as we finally have our two teams that will play for the World Series and a little bit of NFL as, the, as we are approaching the halfway point of the NFL season. But before we get into the national part of sports, we're going to go ahead and dig right in to some Texas State Volleyball as they were playing into another tournament this past weekend against South Alabama. They played on the road. They won once. They won one game out of the two games that they played. They won the first one on Friday, 3-1 to one in the series, and then they dropped one on Saturday. Final score to that was 3-2. to two. So this, but this volleyball team, you know, they've been, we've been giving them a lot of praises. I know as far as, you know, record goes, splitting, Splitting one game is not that big of a deal. You know, we could say that as far as, you know, soccer or volleyball and, or or baseball sometimes. So, um, I mean, this volleyball team just keeps, you know, just keeps winning, keeps trying to build momentum to uh, conference play. So uh, I'm going to throw it to you guys. What do y'all, what do you guys think of this, this series that they just came off of? There's a lot of news revolving around the Texas State volleyball team right now and a lot of recognition being given that I think they definitely deserve. Uh, Emily DeWalt in that series was able to, claimed the top spot for all-time Sunbelt career assists. Finally, she she finally did it. And then a couple days ago, it was announced the Players of the Week, and Texas State actually became the first team to ever sweep the Sunbelt Conference's weekly volleyball awards as Emily DeWalt was Setter of the Week, Jacqueline Lee was Defensive Player of the Week, and Janelle Fitzgerald was Offensive Player of the Week. So even in a, a 1-1 series split, they obviously still – did a great job. They still dominated whenever they did. Uh, they're really getting into their stride and, and getting hot again right when they need to as their season starts to wrap up. Yeah, and I was kind of surprised, you know, they weren't able to pull out the win on a Saturday. I mean, it was a close game. They lost 3-2, to two, but, you know, that was a, a, a day, a night of a lot of record-breaking. I mean, Jacqueline Lee broke her uh, season record on digs. Uh, Janelle Fitzgerald broke her record of uh, kills with 28 even though she broke it the night before mm-hmm. with 26. So she uh, oh, broke that. That didn't last long. And then, you know, Emily DeWall had, I think, 48 assists. She got the, you know, the career assist leader. So surprised they weren't able to pull it out on Saturday. But, I mean, a lot of good things that we saw this past weekend. Yeah, I um, I will say this past weekend, uh, you wanted you wanted them to beat the Jaguars, just destroy them as much as they could uh, based off last year's result in the conference championship. But, you know, one thing that I did notice in this last game or this uh, last match between them, you know, Texas State lost two sets to uh, three, 
And I think the reason why is because you look at that last game, they just, they looked tired. They looked tired and they're, they're not used to making it to that fifth and final um, uh, game. And South Alabama came into this game and they had five or four previous games this season where they've gone to that fifth and final uh, set. And so I feel like Texas State hasn't really had that experience so far this season, and this was their first time in a while to have it. I think the last time was against James Madison, Mm -hmm. and they're just not used to that. And so I think really we just saw a fatigued volleyball team in that last set or that last game. Um, But, you know, South Alabama is still a really good team, and Texas State still doing dominant with Emily DeWalt, now the Sunbelt all-time assist leader. So, you know, congratulations to her. Like I've been saying all year long, I think she deserves a sponsorship NIL deal from DeWalt Tools, Power Tools. I think that would be really cool. So, uh, DeWalt, definitely reach out to them or reach out to her. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. But like I said before, you know, going to five five sets, I think what Paxton, I'm going to kind of, you know, kind of piggyback off of you because, you know, five sets is not really normal for the Bobcats and what we've been seeing, but uh, I think their mindset is like, hey, as long as we could get them in three or four games, we'll be fine, you know. But honestly, I think they just need to get used to playing in sudden death sets like the fifth, like the fifth set, so that way they can, you know, have stride and have momentum and not, you know, be fatigued. Because uh, for those that don't know, if you go into the fifth set, the uh, points you're about to score is 15. It goes to 15 after uh, after four. So I think. You know, if they get into that situation, they need to, you know, be better on learning how to not be more fatigued and, you know, showing it. But, I mean, like I said before, dropping one game out of, you know, two-game series is not honestly not that big of a deal, uh, especially uh, in volleyball terms. But they will be playing again this coming week. It is Halloween. Well, I wouldn't really. Yeah, I would say Halloween weekend. And one of the days, there's going to be a little bit of a costume part, like a little costume contest if you go to one of the games. So they would be playing Arkansas State on Friday, uh, October 18th at 6 o'clock in Strahan Arena. And then they'll be also playing Arkansas State this Saturday, October 29th at 1 p.m. So be sure to you know check out the games. And if you are thinking about wearing a Halloween costume, feel mm-hmm. free because they will. I believe there's going to be a prize at the end for like the best costume uh, for some uh, like best costume or something. There's like a little like gift or something like that. I'm about to win that thing. We d- yeah, we definitely need to go as a group <laughs> or something. I don't know what will be Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or something <laughs> like. Come on. <laughs> we'll see. Uh I don't know. My, the sh- I think the show would be too big for me. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But now we're going to transition into some Texas State soccer. And, guys, this one was another surprising mm. loss for this Texas State women's soccer team as they took on uh, Marshall, um, the, uh, Marshall this past weekend or this past Sunday. And they came uh, they actually went down in defeat the final score was four to one they only scored one goal in the game and look honestly looking at the stats it honestly really honestly kind of shows it kind of shows it a little bit but um you know the only goal that they scored was by maddie goss uh in the you know in the 19 uh, with 1911 on the clock so i was really kind of surprised about how uh, how this game went, but I kind of want to hear y'all's thoughts first because looking at the stats, it looks honestly like we've been seeing, like what we've been seeing from Texas State all year. But you know, just another another big time conference loss. I think it's definitely the worst stretch of soccer that we've seen so far. Which we're very lucky to be able to say that two losses in a row is the worst stretch we've seen. 
but also two, three goal losses. The only other team they've lost that bad to is TCU, who mm-hmm. is, you know, obviously ranked at the time. Um, but South Alabama and Marshall are two pretty good teams. Also, you just wish that you didn't get dominated that bad because I was me and uh, John Carlo called the South Alabama game and it just looked like they couldn't get anything started. They looked tired. They were on defense the whole time. There mm-hmm. was really no offensive firepower. You know, obviously in the Marshall game, you get a little bright spot. Maddie Goss with her ninth goal. She's doing great things. She's now third all time for a Bobcat sophomore on the soccer team. So, you know, they got uh, a couple games left. So they got to get back in the win column against App State before the tournament. Yeah, I don't know if Hewitt's just trying to try some new schemes out or whatever's going on with that. But, yeah, these last two games, they've really been had, uh, having trouble being aggressive and getting on the opponent's side of the ball. And the opponents have been having a real easy time getting on their side of the ball. And, you know, there's control in the field. And whenever, you know, in the past two games, when Texas State would get to the other side of the ball, or other side of the field, they weren't able to really shoot or find open shots. So, I don't know if they're trying a new scheme, trying something new while you have the time before you get into playoffs. But, you know, I think it's time to, you know, maybe just go back and play how you've been playing all season and mm-hmm. just try and keep it consistent, and that will get you more prepared to go into playoffs. Yeah, I this was the first matchup against Marshall in program history, and it, it definitely showed because I don't think they had any idea how Marshall was going to play. And I, you know, it was it was definitely odd to see. You haven't seen the soccer team, first off, lose two matches back-to-back, and then second of all, lose by how much they did. Like, like Colton said earlier, the last time they lost by three goals was against TCU, who I believe still ranks uh, in the top 15 in the nation. And now you're talking about South Alabama and Marshall, who these are really good conference teams, but nationally they're not really known as far as their soccer programs, and they're losing by as much as they did against a nationally known soccer program. So it, it is unusual territory for the Bobcats as far as this season. Um, and then, yeah, you know, another key deal to look at is going into this game before South Alabama or these last two games before South Alabama they were ranked first in the West Division. Now they switched spots, and they're now in the third spot, mm-hmm. while South Alabama's number one. And it's like, you can't have that, especially with one game left and just uh, conference play, and then you got conference tournament. You can't have uh, first division, and then two week, or a week later, you're now uh, third in the division. You can't have that. So they really need to go out with a bang, with a win on senior night here this Thursday against App State. Yeah, absolutely. And one thing I will say is that, you know, we've been talking about, you know, this soccer team and how, you know, consistent they are. They've been, even though they've had close losses, they have been, you know, just consistent with, you know, trying to get the field, you know, their field generals right, you know, you know, having, you know, great stats and saves and, you know, shots attempted. So, excuse me. So let's hope they can finally bounce back, especially, you know, coming towards the conference tournament. But they have one more game left. In the in their season, it is against Appalachian State, like you said, Paxton. So, and they will be this coming Thursday. So, at the time of this recording, it would be tomorrow, October twenty seventh, at seven p.m. at the Bobcat Soccer Complex. So, and you did say it was Senior Night, mm-hmm. correct? Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, be sure to you know come out and support your Bobcats before they head off into a conference tournament. But now, <clears throat> excuse me. We are going to transition into another Texas State Bobcat team that suffered a heartbreaking loss this mm. past Saturday at at homecoming night. 
and as the Tech State Bobcats football team as they took on Southern Miss this past weekend, this past Saturday. And like I mentioned earlier, it was homecoming night for the Tech State Bobcats. And uh, I was pleasantly surprised about this outcome. We honestly, we thought, you know, the Bobcats were going to, you know, take it, you know, take it to Southern Miss and, you know, possibly run the table for it. But the final score that was Southern Miss 20, Texas State Bobcats 14. And when I watch, I'm going to maybe go towards the fourth quarter first because that w- this was when really all this, all this stuff was going on, especially with scoring, because there was, it was a tight game, you know, from the first half, it was 13 to seven from start to finish. And then they didn't score anything in the third quarter. And then all of a sudden fourth quarter was just a whole, whole different story. So, the te- so the Bobcats went up on Southern Miss, and then Southern Miss scored on them uh, for the final time. And then the last play, I think that everybody will now will remember, is the Lane Hatcher interception that unfortunately led the Southern Miss uh, Eagles to a win. So I want to throw it to you guys first. What did y'all think of the game? Do you think maybe there's just some conflict with coaching or play calling? Like, what did y'all see? Well, first, it is sad to say that I've actually seen this happen before. I don't know if anybody remembers. <laughs> I don't remember if anybody remembers a Boston College game. Mm-hmm. Oh, where uh, I think Two it was Bright or one of them threw a pick, and we, we had the lead. We had that game in our hands, and they threw up. And he threw a pick, and that ended it. And we were like, "Oh, so close!" And it's kind of what happened this week. I mean, and you know, something. I mean, this offense has just grown very stagnant. Defense is fantastic. We can't say enough about the defense, but the offense has gone so stagnant. And, you know, if we if they had been able to win this game, you know, they would have been 4-0 at home, first mm-hmm. time since 2005. And, you know, and talking about play calling, and I think something needs to change. And, and you know, Twitter was very vocal. Mm-hmm. The fans are very vocal that uh, Spav needs to either give up the uh, offensive play calling mm-hmm. duties or something else needs to happen. But, yeah, nobody was very happy about this game on, for, on Saturday. And uh, something does need to change, I think. Yeah, for sure. You know, definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different outcome. And Mm -hmm. I feel like that's where the Bobcats are right now. They haven't changed much on offense. They do the same thing. They run, you know, they mainly run the ball. The only pass plays that ever really make anything happen are the the deep passes that they get lucky on. Mm -hmm. Obviously, the defense is doing great. They're breaking records all over the place. You can go down a list of many, many players that are doing amazing things on the defensive side of the football. But when you're on the defensive side for more than half the game, then those players can only be as powerful as they are for so long. And your offense just isn't giving them the rest that they need because I saw a funny stat about this game. The two teams combined for 16 punts. So I'm assuming Texas State had the the larger of the the, uh, percentage of those. But... The defenses were on the field for majority of this game, um, and they got tired. They, if you look back at it, uh, you know they they allowed the touchdown in like the last fifty seconds. If your defense was well rested, if your offense gave them more break, maybe earlier in the game, maybe that doesn't happen. You know, obviously hindsight's twenty twenty, but you have to start to look at those things whenever you know you're still trying to go for a bowl game. Obviously, it's still possible, but it's starting to kind of wean away with, you know, you got five losses now. Yeah, I uh, that is a pretty crazy stat. 16 punts. That, I mean, that's that's more uh, attempts than the Texas State soccer team had on goals right there. <laughs> but, I mean, it's just uh, I, I was able to watch this game, and 
defense deserves all the credit they can get. Oh, yeah. no, I mean, absolutely. they they did not lose this game by any means. But, you know, as we all know, this is a team sport. So the whole team lost as a whole. Offensive-wise, I don't know what was going on. I mean, defense literally gave their all. Mm. They they were constantly giving three and outs uh, to the Southern Miss offense. They, were co- they, they had three turnovers, three turnovers, and Texas State didn't score on a single one of those. I mean, that that's just embarrassing as an offense. Mm-hmm. And then especially if you look at the stat sheet, they had negative six rushing yards. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. are you kidding me? A negative six? I mean, w- what happened to Calvin Hill a couple weeks ago where he had a 100-yard rushing game? Mm-hmm. I mean, I know this is a different team that they're playing against, but, I mean, at least have positive yards for that matter. He had three yards. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's... It's just, uh, it's kind of embarrassing, you know, uh, as a fan of theirs to watch this and just see the out, the same outcome uh, that you saw the week before as far as offensive wise. It's defense holding on in these past two games and offense is just trying to catch up and they just can't at all. And I think one of the reasons why is because we don't have an offensive coordinator. Yeah. It's it's uh, Jake Spavadol mainly calling the plays and that's not a, you know, diss at him. It's just, it's not working. And we need something to fix, especially if you're trying to save your job by going to a bowl game and you realize your offense has only produced 28 points in the last two games. You got to do something different. Yeah, and it's kind of, you know, it's it's disheartening because, you know, defense put up their best game they've ever had. I mean, yeah. like they probably put seven, what, they, they forced seven punts, three turnovers. That's, and that's kind of what we've been saying, you know, they uh, the offense has not been producing, maximizing opportunities. I mean, field goals in any of those that make it what ten opportunities that yeah. the defense gave them. I mean, that's that's a win. That's a W right there. And they haven't been able to even get on the other side of the field. They've been three and out, three and out, three and out for the past two weeks. Yeah. So um, honestly, no, I, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I was really surprised that they they even lost this game because of what y'all said. You know, defense was holding their own, but in the offense was just not there that night. But I mean, they, it came through when it came through. But honestly, I know uh, that interception just put just completely, completely dismantled you know their momentum. But they get to recuperate themselves because they have a bye week this week, so they won't be doing it. So they will not be playing this week. However, they will be playing the following week, and we will have coverage for you on that next week on another episode of Cross to the Wall. But now we're going to take a step down from the collegiate level and head into some high school sport, uh, high school, and that will be the San Marcos Rattlers football team as they travel to Converse Judson to play the Judson Rockets. And I'm honestly, I mean, the score. So the final score of that game was 55 to 35. Paxton, I know you were on the call along with Kyle. Um, from the way the from the way the score is looking. I'm pretty sure that this was probably one of those games where it was a lot of offense in this game, not really a lot of a lot of defense here and there. Yeah. But I kind of I'll go I'll start with you first because I know you and you were mainly on the call for it. But yeah. I wanted to know what what did you see from this Rattlers team? Well, it's kind of a flashback to like an old school. Uh, well, I say old school. It's really just a couple of years ago. Uh, Big Twelve matchup. There was absolutely no defense. <laughs> it just straight offense. Um, but really, you know, I, I don't remember, you know, scores by quarter or anything. But I will say first quarter, it was a really an even game. I believe it was 14 to seven, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe 14 to 14. I don't remember. But it was really an even game. Both offenses. It was pretty much if the offense did score uh, or if 
San Marcos offense didn't score, then Judson's offense. It was really just even. Mm -hmm. The second quarter is when it started separating, and that's when I believe at halftime it was like 35-7, to I think. Um, Yeah, you're correct. And it's just like it kind of looked like the complete opposite of Texas State. Mm -hmm. It was the offense – well, actually, in the second quarter, it looked like Texas State, except (laughs) worse because the defense wasn't doing anything. But in the second half, it looked like Texas State – or the opposite of Texas State. Excuse me, I'm losing my words. Anyway, <laughs> the second half, the offense was just producing and producing and producing, and defense was not producing and not producing. Um, and the second half was interesting to watch because uh, they scored three touchdowns within four minutes. Uh, San Marcos did. But the downside is is that their second half they just, or their second quarter, they just gave up way too many points that they just couldn't overcome it. And so that was ultimately why... They lost this one, but, you know, Jaden Brown had a really good game. DeLeon was a little off. It was really just the defense. The defense literally could not do anything. Yeah, I was looking at it, and in 7-7 seven to seven at the end of the first quarter. So, obviously, close game right from the start, and then at one point it got to 41-7. to seven. So, yeah. that's 34 unanswered points by Judson, and the Rattlers ended up bringing it back to 48-28, uh, to 28, but whenever you're down that much – it's hard to expect a team to come back from that. Like you can only do so much there. The quarters are only so long. I, they brought it back to 20 points, uh, but really not even that close of a game after the second quarter, the second quarter really cost them. I think they, there's three turnovers in the second quarter. Uh, so it's hard to come back from that. They didn't punt in the second half and they still lost by 20. Yeah. Like you said, it's hard to come back from that. And you know, this is an improvement on the Rattlers team compared to last week against Steele. Mm-hmm. Last week, Isaiah Delona had se- he only had 76 passing yards. This game, he had 163 and four touchdowns. So, improvement there. Jaden Brown, 110 yards and a touchdown. That's what we usually see. Mm-hmm. Isaiah Delon added on 115 yards. But, I mean, that Judson team, they came out going. Their quarterback threw for 276 and four Jeez. touchdowns. Their running back had 210 mm-hmm. and two touchdowns. So, I mean, that, I mean, that's all to the defense. I mean, yeah. But, you know. For them to, you know, there was an improvement, but, you know, it's just like the defense. And usually the defense is what kind of shows up for the Rattlers team, and then the offense kind of tags on. I mean, this time it was the offense running, the defense kind of was like, I don't know, but let's (laughs) see if they can figure it out. Yeah, I I told Kyle on the call, Nate Stanley was uh, uh, Judson's running back, and, I mean, if he if they had uh, fantasy football for high school, I want him at my starting running back. (laughs) I mean, he would have easily had 30 points. I mean – it was just literally, I don't think he had a negative rush. Mm-hmm. And, like, there were a couple rushes where he had maybe, like, three yards or something, but they were all positive gains. There were there were none that were negative. And when, when they're rushing the ball, you know, I'm going to take a guess maybe 30, 35 times, and all of them are positive yards, that's, that's pretty bad defensively. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, it, it was one of those games where, you know, there was no, you know, no defense. It was a high-scoring game. Offense is going back and forth. And honestly, I like games like that sometimes, but there's got to be a little bit of defense here and there sometimes to make it more interesting. But um, but that was against Judson. They will So San Marcos' next game will be their last home game of the season as they will take on the New Braunfels Unicorns. I will be on the call along with Kyle Owens. So you guys will t- – uh, the game will be at on Friday, October 28th. At 7.30 p.m., you can tune in around 7.20 for the pregame show uh, as San Marcos Rattlers will take on New Braunfels Unicorns live on KTSW for their last home game home game of the season. 
Well, guys, that wraps up for San Marcos and Texas, uh, high school and Texas State sports. So now we are going to dig in into some national sports. And I'm going to start. Uh, we have to start off with MLB postseason. Mm-hmm. And there is a reason why. Because there are two teams who have finally won both pennants and are now playing for the World Series. We're going to save the Astros for last because I know we got a lot to say on them at the moment. But we're going to start in the National League. As the Philadelphia Phillies knocked off the San Diego Padres in a four-game series as they beat them in the series four, or excuse me, yeah, I'm oh, sorry, five-game series, five to four, uh, five, uh, four to one in the series. So the Phillies will make the World Series for the first time since 2009. The last time they played was against the Yankees, and we will dig into them in a little bit. But, uh, yeah, the Phillies are back in the World Series. I know Jimmy Rollins is probably, you know, smiling ear to ear somewhere. But, I mean, this Phillies team, we were talking about how, you know, much, you know, star power they had, even though, uh, you know, their two main guys like Kyle Schwarber and Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper, to me, probably is the main standout of, you know, of this series because of the go-ahead home run that he hit in game five. So uh, I want to throw it to y'all. Uh, this Phillies team absolutely you know, surprised a lot of us. Yeah, the Phillies definitely were the team that wasn't supposed to be here. Obviously, everybody thought it was the 111 win Dodgers, so it was going to be in the World <laughs> Series. Um, I just I wonder about the Phillies team. Obviously, they're getting hot at the right time, mm-hmm. but they didn't play anybody really. They played the yeah. Cardinals, who were the worst division leader mm-hmm. in the National League, and then they played the Padres, who yeah, they knocked off the Dodgers. Uh, Dodgers had some rough games, mm-hmm. and the Padres were the other wild card team. So not the greatest teams that they played against. Uh, and their team is pretty good up top. They have Schwarber. They have Harper. Reese Hoskins is getting hot yeah. right now. JT Romuto behind the plate is always dangerous. And pitching, they have Aaron Nolan, Zach, Zach Wheeler as the top mm-hmm. two starters, which is dangerous. But I wonder when you get lower on this roster, I don't know if they're deep enough. Mm-hmm. They they have good people up top, but once you get to the games three, four, five, if it makes it to five, you have starters that, you know, you got Noah Syndergaard, you have Ranger Suarez, you have mm-hmm. people that just haven't gotten, I mean, I don't know if any of these guys, there's some of the, the bats that have had playoff time, but the, a lot of the pitchers going to be the first time in a World Series. So Not Syndergaard. Syndergaard uh, played for the Mets. Uh, no, yeah, Mets, but, but yeah, I, I get A lot that. of the times, like a lot of these guys just haven't gotten much, much time. There's a lot of pressure that are going to be on those oh, pitchers. Yeah. So as it gets deeper, into their lineup and deeper into the rotation, that's where I think they're going to start to struggle. But, yeah, yeah, like you said, there's a lot of pressure on them because, I mean, to be a sixth seed in the World Series, it's usually something nobody really sees or expects. But, you know, they fought their way through. Like you said, beat the Cardinals, beat the Braves, and they got to the Padres. And so, you know, I'm I'm excited for them. Of course, I'm not rooting for them. But, (laughs) you know, it's it's good for them to be in this spot and be in this light. I think it's well-deserved that Bryce Harper and all them to be up here. Mm -hmm, You know, Bryce has been such a great player and – you know, he really cares about the sport and his team. So I think it's well-deserved for them to be up here, and everyone likes to see a sixth seed in the World Series. Something yeah. new. Yeah, something new. And, you know, the one thing I wanted to point out is that when originally when Bryce Harper did get uh, traded to the Philadelphia Phillies, you know, back in 2019, they were all thinking, like, what is the Nationals doing? Like, they they were thinking, like, the Nationals were going to hang on to everybody with, you know, Scherzer, Strasburg, Bryce Harper, and then obviously you know Juan Soto just coming in, you know to the to the major league. So uh, people were thinking like, wow, like 
okay, like this could be Philly's savior. And then they went on this drought for you know the next um, the next couple of years. They got their draft picks. They made some more you know free agent offseason in trade moves to finally get a well functioning team. So I'm not gonna lie, this Philly team is is pretty good. I'm not gonna lie, but they are not the Astros, and that just digs into our next team, uh, next part of the show, and that is uh, the American League ALCS as the Houston Astros took on the New York Yankees. And let me just say this first before we even talk about this. New York Yankee fans, you wanted Houston? You got Houston. All right? I'm just going to say that outright. You got Houston. You got what you wanted. So I don't want to hear any more of this talk about, oh, we cheat. Yeah, y'all cheated. Yeah, we did. But that still doesn't change the fact that y'all got swept. 4-0. So now that brings into our next topic. So <laughs> being swept. Okay, let me just say this. The Astro, for the Astros and the Yankees series itself. We'll start with the first two games because, honestly, game three and game four just has a wholly different story. They were both close, and honestly, I thought this would, this series would be a lot closer than a lot of people would think. I was more surprised that it was a sweep. I thought maybe it'd go to six at the most, but for the Yankees to get swept like that with all the talent that they have and you know the amount of pitchers that they had, I was I was happy, but I was also kind of surprised. So, um, but yeah, I want to throw it to y'all. This Ast- these Astros, I mean, they have been. Nothing short of greatness all year with the regular season and then postseason. So I want to throw it to y'all, man. Yeah. So this is flip side from the Phillies. This is the team that everybody thought was going to be here, though. The number one seed, 106 wins, fourth World Series in the last six years. I think this is just a tale of two stories. The Like I said, the Phillies, I didn't think they were deep enough. Mm-hmm. The Astros are deep. They yeah. The fact that when you look at the ALCS, their three most dominant players, their three most important players were probably Christian Javier, who's yeah. their fourth starter. Yeah. And then Jeremy Pena, the rookie, and mm-hmm. Chaz McCormick, of all people, mm-hmm. hit a hit the game-winning home run in game three. So the, the thing with this team is the Phillies can get through the top half of that lineup. They can get through Altuve and Jordan, who both only had one hit in the ALCS and still swept. But once you get through those people, you still have to go with Kyle Tucker, Yuli Gurriel, Chaz McCormick if he's playing. Martin Maldonado is starting to get some hits. Mm-hmm. And that rotation is just too good. They, you have Verlander and Framber Valdez, followed by Christian Javier and Lance McCullers. The The bullpen is dominant. I don't. I think this is the most confident as an Astros fan I've been going yeah, into a World Series. Absolutely. I know. But... Um, Phillies are in the NL East, and I know we've had a bad time against NL East with uh, the Braves and the Nationals in the yeah. World Series. But I think it's time for Houston to get another ring. Oh, Nelly. Are these boys good? <laughs> yeah, like you're saying, they're deep. And, you know, it's it's kind of funny, you know, because I remember when the Dodgers and the Padres faced off, and we said, oh, it's David and Goliath. That's yeah. it. They're just <laughs> David and Goliath. And now, for the second time in the postseason, in the World Series, it is David and Goliath. I mean – Number one Astros, number six Phillies, and you know I—I I mean, of course, as an Astros fan, I'm ecstatic. I'm excited. This team has worked to rebuild—not well, rebuild, Absolutely. but just you know to get off all that 2017 cheating scandal. Mm-hmm. You know, we lost Correa. You know, when we got Pen- we put Pena in the position. Everyone thought, okay, we'll rebuild the position. No, nah, no, nah, we're gonna nah. re- we're gonna reload the position. Yeah. <laughs> we got someone that's at the at his, at his skill at level, his level, maybe yeah. a little better. You know, he's young, so. I, well, 
I don't know about that. That's tough, though. I think he's good. He's good. He's better. Yeah, uh, the Yankees also did. They they lost. They got swept. But they did have a little bit of an achievement in this series. They uh, became the first team ever to get swept in an ALCS and also strike out 50 times over the four games. Oh, my God. And the Astros became the first team to eliminate the Yankees four different times in the playoffs, which has all happened since 2015 now. Yeah, so, but, well, well, I will say real quick, uh, this is uh, unbiased talk because I don't really care for any of these teams. My my team's not doing too good in the past decade, which has the Texas Rangers. But we just hired a new GM, so uh, we'll see how that turns out. But my my uh, my input on this is, you know, y'all are comparing it to David and Goliath. I think we all know how that turned out, though. And that was David one, which David in this situation would be the Phillies. So I don't know if y'all want to compare it to that because. If that's the case, Houston's going to be in for a long series. But I will say, as uh, not really a fan of any of these teams, I still will watch it. I'm just hoping someone steals the base so I get a free Doritos Locos Taco. <laughs> I'm just... That's all we watch. That's for. literally the only reason why I watch it. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh, he stole a base. Let's go. <laughs> turns, I'm instantly going to Taco turns Bell. Turns the game off and goes to Taco I to- Bell. Honestly, I totally forgot about that. I'm yeah. So if Taco Bell <laughs> wants to sponsor this podcast, <laughs> Altuve will get the steal for you. <laughs> oh my goodness! But no, as y'all said, this Astros team is absolutely juiced from top to bottom. Everything, everybody. The one thing I love about this team, mostly this year, is that they want to do this not only for themselves but honestly for Dusty Baker because Dusty Baker has been around baseball for a long, long time, and Dusty Baker has not reached the ultimate goal that he wants and that's a world series ring now he did go to the world series when he was the giants manager against the uh what was known as the anaheim angels but unfortunately the anaheim angels beat the giants that year so that's the closest he's gotten he hasn't been back there since that happened no they went last year he was there last year no yeah, okay with, with uh, as far as them winning as oh. far as them winning because they lost last year yeah but Honestly, I think they want him, they want him to they want them to win him one or win for him so that way he can you know finally say that hey I finally got one you know and it was with a very good team because this Astros team like I said before is honestly on its way to being one of the all time great teams I know there's a lot of them and we can go through that list but that's another topic for another day but the World Series will begin this Friday on Fox. At seven thirty, at seven thirty Central Time. So be sure to tune in and check out the festivities because this series, to me, is I smell possibly six or seven games. Possibly, I am not too sure. You say you say four games. Why go undefeated in the playoffs? Why not? <laughs> I like the boldness in that. Honestly, <laughs> I really do. <laughs> Absolutely. But yeah, be sure to tune in to Fox for the World's to 2022 World Series as the Philadelphia Phillies will take on the Houston Astros. And now before we get out of here, we are going to dig in into some NFL talk. And guys, we are cl- getting close to the halfway mark of the NFL season. And so far, there have been some teams that have been really kind of surprising in this NFL season. We'll start off in the the uh Amer- uh excuse me, the American Football uh AFC. Right now in the A- uh AFC East it's the Buffalo Bills with right behind them the Jets and then right behind them the Dolphins. And then in the AFC North, 
It is the Baltimore Ravens and the Cincinnati Bengals tied for the best record. And unfortunately, my Pittsburgh Steelers are way dead last, unfortunately. <laughs> but that is a topic I would Can you pick it? <laughs> oh, God. We're not going to go into that. And then the AFC South, Tennessee is 4-2. and two. The Indianapolis Colts right behind them at 3-3. Three and three. And then the AFC West is the Kansas City Chiefs with the Los Angeles Chargers right behind them. And then in the National and then AFC or NFC uh, uh, East, the this is very tight in the NFC East. It is the Philadelphia Philly, uh, Eagles at six and zero, New York Giants six and one, and then the Dallas Cowboys at five and two. Mm. So it is a tight race. And then in the NFC North, the Minnesota Vikings. First of all, I don't think I've I don't think I've never heard. Probably say this coming out of my mouth. The Minnesota Vikings five and one. Never thought I would ever say that. Kirk Cousins yeah. is that guy, man. He's that guy. <laughs> He's no. got that dog in him. <laughs> 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 and then the NFC South, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, with a losing record. It's such a train wreck. It's such a train wreck in the it, South. It is, but they are tied. They are actually tied with the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, for the division, for the division, uh, in three and four, and then sorry division, <laughs> that, might, that might be worse than the AFC. And then so. that's what the <laughs> NFC East was like two years ago. Yeah, then, honestly, honestly, yeah. And then the NFC West, it is the Seattle Seahawks. Geno Smith, wow, four and three or four and three record with the Los Angeles Rams right behind him at three and three. So, guys, let me just start off by asking y'all this question because. If y'all watched the games this past weekend, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers both dropped big losses in probably one of the worst in their careers. So I have to ask y'all, do you think maybe it might be time for both of them to possibly hang it up? I think Tom Brady's off the field stuff is uh, kind of being looked at as what's getting to him. I think they're both just getting old. They're just both their teams around them are kind of falling apart. And the Buccaneers, they've had some wide receiver issues, and the Packers haven't drafted wide receiver like ever. So mm-hmm. they they're both just kind of falling apart. Obviously, the Bucks are still first in the division somehow, and the Packers are only second. And Kirk Cousins always finds a way to fumble the bag late <laughs> in the season. Sure. So I think they're both going to be fine for this year. Uh, the Packers play the Bills this week, so that's going to be a tough game for them. But I think you can kind of start talking about maybe the passing of the quarterback torch a little bit. You know, Rodgers and Brady are kind of falling down a little bit. Mahomes and Josh Allen are starting to pick it up. You can even put Jalen Hurts in that conversation if you want to. Yeah, I would. Talking about Jalen Hurts, though, I saw a picture of him in an Eagles press conference. Oh, he's all uh, showed he up. was wearing the Astros gear. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, playing in Philly, he, so that's a danger- dangerous too, game. Yeah, yeah but, uh, he's from Texas. Yeah. yeah. So, but, yeah, I think maybe it might be starting to, to pass the torch in terms of the, the leading quarterbacks in the league. It's uh, very sad for my fantasy team because one of my teams, I have both Brady and Rodgers as my quarterbacks. So uh, I'm definitely looking for some more quarterback talent. But, um, yeah, I think, I mean, definitely this is probably Brady's last year. It should have been his last year. Last year. Mm -hmm. I don't think he should have came back. I think, I don't know who the, I mean, it would be nice to see Cal Trask, you know, start getting some reps and, you know, they drafted him and he hasn't really done anything. Kind of the same with Jordan Love. Mm -hmm. But, you know, with Jordan Love, when he did get his shot, he kind of stunk. And you know, but I think with Rodgers, it's just like it's just a bad team overall. Their offense is very banged up, and they don't have that many playmakers anymore. You know, trade Devontae Adams. So 
Brady d- is definitely done. Rodgers, I mean, he signed that big contract. He's, that's what sucks about it. He's the most paid quarterback right now annually, and he's mm-hmm. one of the worst quarterbacks in the league right now. But, yeah. you know, I, you know, I think this is probably just going to be a an off year for him, and next year they'll probably do some stuff to make some, make some moves, draft some wide receivers and some offense to get him going because their defense is pretty all right right now. I mean, it's it's pretty wild. If you would have told someone at the beginning, excuse me, at the beginning of the year that I'm a little choked up about this, huh? <laughs> Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, and Dak Prescott would be kind of mid this year. I mean, that, that's unheard of. They were they were all fantasy leaders last year, pretty much. Yeah. Um, but you know, going off of Rodgers, I, I I agree with Ryan. I think it's just a lackluster team this year. I think if you get him some weapons, he could go back to his quote-unquote glory days. Um, but with Brady, I don't think he's going to retire this year. I think he's still just – Brady's got the mentality of I got something to prove, even though he's already proved it with seven Super Bowls. He's He's got to be like, well, I got to prove it with eight Super Bowls or nine. And I – I don't think he's going to retire yet, but I don't know what's going on. I mean, I, it's got to be the off the field stuff. I don't know if y'all watched um, Man in the Arena over mm-hmm. the summer, but I mean, you could tell like him and Giselle had like a special bond. It wasn't like no offense, but like it wasn't like a typical celebrity relationship mm-hmm. where yeah. they say they do, but like be honest, it, they don't. No, like they they definitely had a special connection. So it's not just like a overnight. All right, yeah, I can be Tom Brady again. No, <laughs> it, it's gonna take a while. So, I I think it's gonna be a while for the Bucks. Um, but you know, like like Colton said, they're leading the division right now. So, yeah. like I, I, they're still gonna make the playoffs, and I feel like Brady might be back to quote unquote normal by then. Yeah, absolutely. But since you said making the playoffs, so we're getting to the midway point of the NFL season. So I got to ask, so with all the division leaders that I currently said, is there, I want to hear your guys' prediction on which team is going to make a stunning surprise, like impact into the NFL. Like who's the one team that you guys are still hoping for or could be a surprise in the, you know, next, next half of the season? Well, I will say our first podcast of this season, we kind of talked about like what are our surprise teams or who do we think is going to be really good this year compared to last year. And uh, my pick was the Jets Mm -hmm. and the Eagles. Mm -hmm. And look how they're doing right now. (laughs) I mean, and uh, the Jets with just the recent trade with James Robinson and Brees Hall. I mean, that just tells me they're all in. Because Brees Hall was doing phenomenal, but obviously they can't do anything with him anymore oh, because he's injured. Yeah. And rather than just be like a normal team, be like, oh, we'll, re- we'll, we'll rebuild next year with him or whatnot. They're, they're like, we're going this year. We're all in. We know we have a tough division. We're getting another player. And so that just shows me that this is a different Jets team. And then the Eagles, I mean, obviously they're the only undefeated team left in the uh, NFL. So... They're off to a wonderful start. Jalen Hurts, honestly, kind of the MVP type season. Yeah. I think it will get overlooked because of Allen, mm. but um, I think he is having that kind of season. But uh, as far as surprise team right now making it, I'm not going to say the Jets because I, I don't think it's a surprise anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, probably the Giants, uh, the NFC. Uh, I really, I don't think I would not have predicted them. So over, so over your Cowboys. No, I I thought you meant I thought you meant like who is the surprise team right now? Oh yeah yeah. yeah oh yeah, my yeah. bad. The surprise team right now would probably be the Giants. As far as making the playoffs, uh, 
that is a good question. Um, <laughs> you know, probably NFC wise, uh, it's definitely not. <sighs> That's a good one. I'll, I'll send it to y'all to hear what y'all have to say before I, I start thinking of that. Well, actually, I mean, looking at the NFC East and the way things could work out, if both teams, you know, of all three teams, you know, Eagles are going to make it. They're, they're going to win yeah. the division. They're getting, they're going. Yeah. But for the Cowboys and the Giants, if they can keep playing the way they've been playing, because the NFC is not looking good this year. No. Like we said, the South is no. completely terrible. So that's already four spots. You don't have to worry about <laughs> in anything in terms of like wild card play. So if they can keep going, either one of those, if both of them can keep going, they could make the wild card realistic. In, in a way, both of them could make the playoffs if they both keep playing the way they've been playing and don't tail off, even though I feel like the Giants – Either, either actually, either three of those teams can really tail off because, like I did, it's six six zero for the Eagles, six one for the Giants, five and two for the Cowboys. So it's, I mean, it's one game difference. It's tight. So if some, if either one of them, I mean, it's up for grabs. Any of them can start trailing off. Like I said, there's still a whole half of the year going. So I mean, surprise team, I guess Giants, but you know, it's up for grabs for anybody. So yeah, my my kind of team that i think is going to turn it around is i think the packers still probably find a way to handle that division yeah. um obviously the vikings are five and one right now but like i said kirk cousins is only good for so long he's just kind <laughs> of he's just kind of like the the most average nfl quarterback yeah. you know he, he's pretty good but he's just pretty good that's, that's about <laughs> it that's, uh that's so you know they're it. only a couple games back right now but the thing that's most surprised me about this season is just the amount of quarterbacks that have played it's yeah. been crazy you know mm -hmm. you have the colts just announced they're benching matt ryan and sam yes. ellinger is getting a start oh, there Sammy. Yes. uh bailey zappy is still the quarterback in new england for the, the time being yes. mm -hmm. um the panthers announced that they were sitting sam donald and baker mayfield to start uh pj walker. walker yeah so lots of quarterbacks <laughs> going all over the place and you know you're getting to that point i think we're in week eight now so you're getting to the point where teams are starting to decide if they're going to try to contend or if they're going to kind of sit on sit in the back and watch everybody else do their thing because you know you're getting to the point where the the mock drafts are starting to come out that's mm -hmm. my favorite part of the the season <laughs> about halfway through college football and nfl football the mock drafts are starting to come out uh you, you know you're, you're starting to see who might be falling to you so you're trying to trying to pick where you end up in that draft order yeah, and actually, now that you bring up, you know, Sam Ellinger starting for the Colts, they might actually be a team now to start looking at. Yeah. Because I feel like Matt Ryan was kind of the one holding them back. I mean, he had nine interceptions and 11 fumbles in this first half of the season. So, I mean, Sam, I mean, Paxton, you and me, man, we both... 11 fumbles? 11 fumbles. 11 fumbles. I know he threw, like, three interceptions week one against the Texans, <laughs> yeah. but 11... Yeah, he can't hold the ball. He's, he's his old hands are getting. I think the the funny thing, Nick Foles is also on that roster. Yeah, Nick Foles. So Sam Bellinger starting over two quarterbacks that have made it to the Super Bowl and Ooh. almost won the Super Bowl. Nick Foles is on the Colts. Yeah. Yeah, so that means one Westlake quarterback, quarterback is over another Westlake quarterback. That's yeah. that's pretty. Super Bowl cool. champion Nick Foles is the third string, and then that's Super Bowl choke champion uh, Matt, Matt Ryan is the backup <laughs> now. But yeah, you know, Pax and Sugar Bowl, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, Sugar Bowl champion. Sugar Bowl champion. Yeah, I mean, you and me, we, you and me, we've seen Sam Malaga. We see what he can do. And, oh, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. In the preseason, oh, my gosh. I mean, he was he was putting up good numbers in the preseason, showing off what he can do. He's mobile. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's got the physique of a fullback. He can run people over. So I think it should be a good kickstart, maybe kind of what, what Frank Zappi did over there in New England. So I think I'm excited for it. It's going to look good now for the Colts. I mean, now they have pieces. I mean, they have, P they have Pittman. And, you know, they got, of course, Jonathan Taylor, fantasy god. 
So I think maybe putting the new quarterback with Sam Ellinger really stir up them. And I mean, like that division's super close. I mean, the Tennessee Titans are like four and three, and you know the Colts are three and four. So it's still tight over there. So they could come up. I think NFC wise, going back to what I was trying to say earlier, I couldn't think of a team. <laughs> I mean, the NFC West is honestly good. I think the Rams still have a chance. Let's like they're off to kind of a bad start, especially for being a defending Super Bowl champion but i think they can still wake up Mm -hmm. i don't think seattle's going to be the one who goes uh san francisco now with mccaffrey uh but i will say uh that's going to take some time to get adjusted to as far as the team i mean it's kind of like the nets it's you've got this super team now you gotta try to mend them all together cardinals though i think the cardinals have a really good chance they have hop back now um marquise brown He's he's obviously on injured reserve right now, but he's only going to be out for like five more weeks, I think. So they'll have Marquise Brown and Hop and Kyler Murray. Uh, James Conner has kind of been off this year with injuries, but they'll still have Eno Benjamin. Mm-hmm. They still have a wonderful offense and a pretty good defense. So honestly, the Cardinals kind of the surprise team. Now, AFC-wise, I was going to say the exact same thing, the Colts, just because of Sam Elliger, I think. Sam is a great quarterback. Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan, I think he's kind of hit his time. Mm-hmm. Um, and But it will be tough because Tennessee's obviously the leading champ for that division. But I think, I mean, believe in Elliger. I mean, no one believed him against Georgia. And <laughs> I believe him. Look, look at that. Bevo destroyed Yuga, so. <laughs> Car- Cardinals would be good as long as it's not Call of Duty double XP. <laughs> Absolutely. So the NFL season is about <laughs> to reach its halfway mark. But guys, that wraps it up for us here today. Thank you guys for joining us to, for another edition of Claws to the Wall. Uh, my, I'm your host, Kobe Jackson. With me is my, co- my co-host, Colton Gibson, Ryan Lingus, and Paxton Graff. I hope you guys have a great rest of your weekend. Enjoy the Texas State festivities and enjoy your Halloween weekend as Halloween is cur- uh, currently approaching. So be sure not mm-hmm. to eat too much, uh, too much candy and stuff. Try to, you know, not get any cavities. I'm just speaking from a guy, from Brush a guy who has, who has who has had them before. But oh, what what's your go-to candy then? <laughs> before uh, we conclude it, <laughs> uh, Skittles. Skittles. What about you? Reese's Pieces. Reese's Pieces. Gotta go the Twix. Ooh, that is a good one. Okay, Snickers is a good one, but I think uh, Starburst. Starburst Ooh, is my go-to. No I, I love I'll, I'll Starburst. Take, I'll take anybody like Dots? Dots? No. Ew, like what are you, 85? Honey, <laughs> <laughs> can you give me some Dots? Like my the teeth, they're the only orange. thing I can chew on. <laughs> but I hope you guys enjoy your Halloween weekend. Enjoy it. You guys have a wonderful day. Be safe out there. <laughs>